Today's episode is brought to you by Chiropractic Mastery. Wouldn't it be great if your spinal problems and misalignments could correct themselves? And if you didn't need the same thing done to you every time you visit the office, best of all, what if your chiropractor could check and tell when your body didn't need any help that day at all? MCT chiropractors correct nervous system imbalances directly so the body is best able to correct the spinal misalignment on its own. This is done without twisting, popping, cracking, or causing pain. It's so honoring to the body that most people experience a tremendous amount of improvement very quickly, often without the soreness and stiffness that may follow a more traditional chiropractic adjustment. Your chiropractor can find out more by visiting chiropracticmastery.com and checking the seminars tab. And if you're looking for a chiropractor that will custom build the most painless yet effective chiropractic adjustment for you on every visit to the office, go to chiropracticmastery.com and click on the referrals tab. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the B Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. Today, folks, we've got uh, my friend Thomas Gargiula on the podcast. Uh, Thomas has been a chiropractor for uh, 30 years uh, in St. Louis area. Um, and as a fellow MC2 practitioner, um, I felt it was uh, important and necessary to have Thomas on to talk about the types of things that we're seeing in clinic, um, but specifically, you know, how tonal and MC2 care um, really affects the kids that we're seeing. Uh, for those of you guys who are chiropractors, uh, you're no doubt no strangers to MC2 and tonal chiropractic care. But if you're a patient or you're just a spectator and you're learning about chiropractic for the first time, um, really dig into this one and uh, pay attention to the types of techniques and approaches that Thomas and I take uh, in the care of children and particularly why chiropractic care is so safe and effective for kids. So guys, I know you're going to enjoy this. Thomas is great. I was really excited to have him on the podcast and uh, without any further ado, here's Thomas. Hey guys, we are back. I'm here with uh, my friend Thomas Gargiula out of St. Louis. And today we're going to talk about um, the stuff that matters to us, that matters to you. We're going to be talking about pediatrics. We're going to be talking about chiropractic. We're going to be talking about you know, Tom's perspective on what he's been seeing in practice. Tom's been in practice a little bit longer than I have. And so having that extra experience is going to be vitally important for us to get this consensus that we've been kind of slowly drawing on the podcast about, you know, what needs to be done? You know, what can we do to help our kids? As I just shared in my last episode with Peter Kevorkian, we were talking about some of the things that he's seen over the last 40 years. Um, we know that our children statistically have a lower life expectancy than we do, which means we have to take aggressive steps to fix this so that our children are healthy and happy for the rest of their lives. So um, first and foremost, Tom, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. We're really, really grateful that you're here. Um, why don't you share with us, you know, very briefly um, who you are, where you are, and um, your men will we'll go from there, okay? 
Absolutely, you bet. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, as, as Dan said, I'm Tom Garjula. I am a practicing chiropractor in St. Louis, Missouri, and this is my 30th year in practice. Um, I've been a chiropractic patient ever since I was four weeks old, so I think we could probably start with that. Uh, my parents, who are um, currently 80 and 78 years old, have been going to the chiropractor from before I was born, so over five decades. And I was with them because I was just born. I was four weeks old again, um, and I had colic. So I was crying, which was pretty par for the course apparently back then, and they were in for their normal chiropractic adjustment. And that was the first time the chiropractor ever shared with them the bigger picture of chiropractic. And when I say bigger picture, I mean... It's the first time he explained to them about the nerves controlling the organs and the glands and having control over the systems. Prior to that, my mom has a scoliosis. My dad used to have a bad low back, so they would go. They went regularly, but they went for those main reasons. Um, but once they learned about the connection between the nerves and the organs, and then he had asked my parents, well, would you like me to check him? And, you know, my mom was like, uh, absolutely because he's crying all the time and projectile vomiting and all the wonderful things that go along with colic and um, two adjustments and the colic was gone. So they were thrilled. So I have an older brother, 18 months older than me. So my parents, thankfully it clicked for them that they didn't stop there for me. Instead they said, keeping them healthy or well-adjusted makes sense. And then let's bring the older brother in because he didn't have colic, but he has a nervous system, so let's check him as well. And we literally grew up going to the chiropractor. The chiropractor was one of those people that are in your life that we called him uncle, even though he wasn't our uncle. So we used to go to Uncle Danny for our adjustments, and they were regular. And then whenever we didn't feel well, if we were ever under the weather, or we fell off our bike or any of that stuff, we would always go there first before even uh, entertaining the need to head towards the pediatrician or anything else like that. So I literally grew up going to the chiropractor, not a family member, but it may as well have been. Um, and it was for colic. And since then, which is kind of cool in 30 years of practice, and I know you're the same way, Dan, but hundreds of kids with colic that we've seen and taken care of. And I was always a family-oriented type of chiropractor because that's how I grew up. We went as a family. Um, we went to stay healthy. We went proactively. My parents were definitely ahead of their time in their thinking, which is why they're 80 and 78. They're on zero medications and they have zero limits on their life. They're very active. Um, and I know that's because of the lifestyle they chose to have, which chiropractic is an integral part of that. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm smiling because you're talking about colic. Um, and I've shared with this on the podcast in the past couple of weeks before, but colic has been like by far the most common thing I've seen throughout this whole COVID crisis. I mean, I, I can count on fingers and toes the, the amount of babies I've seen in my practice who not only are colicky and constipated, but also have this sort of like quadfecta of acid reflux and latching issues. They all tend to go hand in hand. 
colic is one of my favorite things to care for in my practice because it's so stinking easy, right? Colic and constipation, especially are so stinking easy. It only takes usually a couple of visits before we start to see dramatic changes. And the reason, and I'd love for you to speak on this. And I I gotta say, I'm particularly excited to talk to you, Tom, because um, I know you're an MCT guy, just like me, which means we have a lot of commonalities there. And for those of you guys who are patients, who don't know what, what MCT is. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but with, with colic in particular, the reason it's so stinking common is because the major source of stress to the nervous system that contributes to this is birth trauma. And so when babies are born, if they're being uh, sort of inundated by these stressors, um, their nervous system is going to be on high alert. They're going to go in the sort of like primitive fight or flight mode. And the most common symptom of that fight or flight mode is gastroesophageal upset, right? And so colic is usually defined by um, crying after a meal. Um, it goes hand in hand with uh, gut motility problems, constipation, acid reflux, et cetera. It's just the outward symptom of inward stress. Um, and so when you're talking about your experience with colic, it rings absolutely true to me because my practice has been nothing but just like amazing success stories nonstop for the past four months. Um, and it's really doing no small part to the fact that we've been clearing out all of that noise in the nervous system and allowing their innate recuperative power to do the heavy lifting, right? I mean, I love to take credit for it, but it's like 10% of the job of the chiropractor and 90% right. of the job of the nervous system. So, um, you know, talking about colic. Uh, it, it's by far the most common thing that I see in my practice. Um, I'm sure it's very similar statistically for you guys, but um, over the past 30 years, um, colic isn't the only thing that you've seen. Um, what other types of things have you seen and what has been changing trend-wise uh, sure. since you first got into private practice? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, from a kid's perspective, some of the biggest things that we've seen along with colic, because colic is definitely the biggest, um, I'm not seeing as much of this now as I was, but um, ear infections were so common. Um, it's still there, but not as common as it used to be. And I think part of that is gone are the days for the most part that mom or dad can call the pediatrician and just say, hey, Johnny is pulling on his ear again. Can you prescribe the antibiotic? And then it just automatically gets prescribed. Um, they realized as a profession that they that was a mistake and they overprescribed, which then led to a lot of what we're seeing with the kids. Um, but we would see kids that, I mean, you know, they'd be 18 months old and they would have 12 bouts with ear infections. They've had two or three sets of tubes, um, you know, at two and three years old and things like that. And by, again, clearing out the subluxation, getting rid of the interference to the nervous system, it's amazing how the body's able to heal and take care of that. And one of the uh, enjoyable things for me about working with kids is I do also work with adults and I know because I grew, I grew up as a kid getting adjusted that there's so many things that I see in my adult people that these kids will never have because they got adjusted and they got that nerve interference cleared out at such a young age. Because I have always been a healthy kid. I remember in fifth grade once we had, ironically, a flu thing going on um, in fifth grade and our class of 28 kids was down to like seven and I was one of the seven and I've never had a flu shot in my life. That was just my parents' decision many, many years ago. Um, So I was always super healthy, just again, naturally. 
And I know that's because I was raised under chiropractic care. Uh, one of the analogies I use all the time is a light bulb and a dim light bulb is nerve interference and a bright light bulb is healthy and how we're supposed to function. And because of my parents, I was able to function at that bright light bulb literally from four weeks old and it hasn't stopped yet because I still, of course, get checked on a weekly basis to make sure I'm free and healthy of nerve interference so I can function the way I'm supposed to. Um, so ear infections is, is another biggie. Um, another one is um, ADD spectrum. It used to just be ADD, ADHD. Now, of course, everyone's on the spectrum. So you've got a lot of variety from super mild to super severe. Um, cases. So um, we do see that. That's, to me, one of the biggest challenges because there's lots of things going on there. They definitely have nerve interference, but a lot of it can be related to diet, can be related to the environment. A lot of it is related to um, how the parents do or don't discipline and how much structure is in their life. And I see that all as a... So that, that's much more complex than colic or ear infections or allergies or sinus problems or things like that uh, you know, when it I comes talk to kids. To you about this real quick because this is something that I've brought up with other folks on the podcast before and I talk about it in some of my health talks. It's more complex, but it's related, right? It's not uncommon, very, very common to the contrary to see kids who are on the spectrum who have sensory processing issues. And as I talked about in previous podcasts, almost every single one of my kids that, sees, that I see in my practice now has some sort of sensory proclivity. Mm -hmm. These are kids that had colic. These are kids that had acid reflux. These are kids that had um, you know, hematomas and cranial misalignments and tons of birth trauma. These are kids that had ear infections and asthma earlier in their lives. But subluxation, uh, neurodegeneration contributes to these things as they become older and they become more complex as symptoms. It doesn't necessarily yep. mean that the causes are any different, right? Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. You know, and as an MC2 guy, like, you know that these kiddos are so hypervigilant that you have to be really, really careful about the type of care you provide because you can overdo it really quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the thing that, again, a lot of times people don't understand is as we get older or we've had the nerve interference longer, um, bigger problems or get, they appear to be more complex, more layered problems. Um, but again, getting these kids checked out and cleared out when they're young, whether it's because they have a condition like colic or ear infections and we catch it early or because the parent just wants the kid checked after birth, which we see a lot, of course, because we see the pregnant moms and then it goes, that just makes sense. Um, all of these things that would have shown up down the road are totally avoided because we're moving towards health instead of away from health. Um, and there's no difference between the spectrum stuff as the ear infection stuff or what would turn into, let's say for a girl as menstrual irregularity and then infertility and then migraines and all of this stuff. The underlying um, reasons for all of it tend to be the same. It's just we get further down the road of moving away from health. We're not taking those actions to turn things around. We're not doing anything in our lifestyle to have a positive impact. If anything, we're just piling on and the momentum is just so far and so fast and furious going in the wrong direction. Um, and it does, it takes time to turn things around. Um, but by changing things when we're young, we're avoiding things that I'm seeing in my older population and older, I mean, forties, fifties, sixties, not necessarily grandma, grandpa age. Um, 
but the what's showing up is amazing. And of course, one of the biggest things that we see is um, dementia issues, which again, it's nothing new. It's not something that just showed up in their life. It's something that was created probably for decades of moving in the wrong direction. And it's a matter of just trying to, I think the hardest thing is helping people to understand what's down the road, whether they're going in the wrong direction or the right direction. Sometimes we take for granted the quality of life benefits that we experience under chiropractic care and under adopting a healthier type lifestyle because we are feeling amazing, we're functioning amazing, and we forget that it's all these little and big things that we're doing that are getting us there. So sometimes we stop, whether it's I stop chiropractic or I stop exercising or I stop eating a certain way, and then it may take months or years, but now I'm back down the wrong direction again, and now something else is showing up, and then it's harder to turn it around, it's harder to fix it, the further down the road we get. And for some people, we'll never get them back on that health pathway, but we could at least get them in the direction so their quality of life can improve. And for however long they're gonna live, they have the best benefits as possible, even though it may not be as good as it could have been if they made a move sooner. You know, you said something, Tom, that, rec that uh, resonated with me, and that is that we as chiropractors take a lot of what we experience for granted in chiropractic. Um, I was not brought up under chiropractic care like you were. I first experienced a chiropractic adjustment at the age of 26. And it wasn't until I got into private practice that I started seeing um, the miraculous side of chiropractic. Because I went to a chiropractic college that put a huge emphasis on pain relief. Yep. Um, I didn't know any better when I first matriculated through that chiropractic college. But once you see things um, through the eyes of a pediatric chiropractor, you can't unlearn them because it's just irrefutable. Right, the first time you see a colicky baby sleep through the night, the first time yep. you see a constipated baby hasn't pooped in 12 days, poops instantaneously after an adjustment, you, you recognize that there's something special about what we're doing. And then you can never change the way that you practice ever again because it's, right. it's doing a disservice to your patients. Um, I think we as chiropractors, especially those of us who have big practices, have done a fairly good job of communicating the importance of chiropractic to our public. I mean, especially with COVID, I don't know how it is with your practice right now, but we've had the best quarter we've ever had in the history of my practice in 10 years because people are so stressed out right now and they're not getting answers from anybody else. Right. Chiropractors are providing those answers and the solutions to their, their lifestyle issues. And they're starting to recognize how important having an active role in their healthcare really, really is. So I'm, I'm curious, Tom, you know, number one, going back to a, com a conversation that we had a little bit earlier about what causes subluxation. That's, that's my first question. What do you think is causing the majority of your subluxations now? Um, and number two, what, what do you think we can do to further empower the public to make these decisions in light of what is actually causing these, these subluxations. Uh, Excellent. What do you yeah, think? Would, absolutely. We'd love to talk about that. Um, let me go back a little bit in, in the years earlier in practice, my main way of communicating to my practice members, um, which in hindsight isn't a hundred percent accurate. And that's why I, I, I learned and changed, but I would blame everything on stress. And we talk about physical stress and chemical stress and mental, emotional stress. And, and certainly the more stress we have, the more challenge there is. But the underlying cause isn't the stress itself. It's the ability of our bodies to adapt 
to the stress. And as long as our body is adapting well, then we're doing just fine. Once we stop adapting properly or we hit a threshold where we just can't adapt to any more of it, that's when things spill over and the subluxation gets created. Now, we usually don't get our symptoms right away either, but that's when we start that downhill slide. That's when that bright light bulb gets a little dimmer. And over the months or the years, eventually we cross that line and the symptom shows up. We love to see people on a wellness basis. So we're checking them and adjusting them when needed just because there's nerve interference, not because there's specifically a symptom that shows up. And, and that's a huge thing um, there as well. So I do like to see people take responsibility for their life and decrease the stresses that they have control over, the physical, the chemical, the mental, emotional ones. Um, and then also take, make lifestyle choices to increase their body's adaptability. So for sure, getting adjusted increases your adaptability. Sleeping more, um, better quality hours makes you more adaptable to stress. Uh, drinking enough water, proper nutrition, all that kind of stuff. I know for me, if I don't sleep well, I don't adapt very well to stress the next day. And I am very short, whether it's with my wife or with my kids or with life, I get very frustrated. That's an example of adapting to stress. If I'm well, if I sleep well, oh my God, I am so much more pleasant to be with. And I know when someone is in pain, their fuse is shorter and when they feel good, they're, you know, they're in a better state. When someone is in a high stress situation, their fuse is shorter. When they're on vacation, that's the same question their child may ask them that sends them over the edge when they're under stress. They have a wonderful conversation about when they're out of stress because they're on vacation or, or just life is different at that time. So stress is definitely a player, but we have to do everything we can to expand our body's ability to adapt to stress. And that's what I, I know we're seeing right now in COVID is emotional stress is through the roof on so many levels. And that's why we're seeing more of a need for what we do. Um, that's why we're seeing people we haven't seen in years, very similar to what you're saying, Dan. Um, we're seeing people we haven't seen in years because they're realizing that I need to do something to strengthen my body and whether you know a mask staying at home you know medicine whatever it is i need to strengthen my body which means how can i actually make it stronger what can i do to proactively get things moving in the right direction so i am on offense from a health perspective instead of defense and in the 30 years I've been in practice, I've never had seen an opportunity like we have right now where everybody's talking about health. Now, they're not necessarily in the typical media stuff talking about things to do, but at least the topic is on people's minds and they're quickly realizing it's either be helpless and, and afraid or most people are switching to, well, wait, what can I do? What can I do to strengthen myself? The virus is the virus, it's doing its thing. What can I do though to strengthen myself as a body, as a person, as an immune system to not have the negative effects of what's going on and to be able to be strong. And by being strong and having a healthy immune system, it means if I get exposed, just like anything else I get exposed to, I attack it right away, I build defenses to it, and that helps keep everyone safe around me not just me, because of what it's doing to the strength of any assailant virus or bacteria by my immune system 
fighting it and making it just that much weaker. Yeah, yeah. Th this concept of going on the offensive, I think, is really important right now. I mean, I have not shut up about being proactive about health since the beginning of this whole crisis. And I know yep. this podcast is going to long outlast COVID, but it's relevant right now because it's on the top of everybody's mind. It's on the tip of everybody's tongue and people are scared to death. And the fact is, you know, we as chiropractors have a powerful pulpit to help people understand and navigate this really uncertain time. And the crazy thing about it, Tom, and I know that you know this and I, you kind of hinted at it earlier is that we've been doing this already for 120 years, man. Yeah. Like COVID is no different than anything else that we've been talking about. We talk about flu. We talk about measles. We talk about all this other, these public health quote unquote crises that um, people have been concerned about forever, you know, whatever the, like the fear du jour is on the media, chiropractors have the exact same answer for it. And that is till the soil, not the seed, right? Yep. And that's, you know, I think it's a take home message for anybody who's listening. It's ultimately making sure you can take care of your body, making sure you're supporting your neuroimmune axis in such a way that your nervous system is actually doing what it's programmed to do, which is keep you healthy. Um, you know, a lot of these other issues, you know, can be, can be easily solved. I mean, that's how things like colic are reconciled. That's how things like constipation, latching issues, reflux, asthma, allergies, bronchitis, pneumonia, ADHD, whatever, you, you know, it's, it's basically all cut from the same cloth. Yep. So we as chiropractors have a duty to speak out because we're talking from a salutogenic background versus a pathogenic background we're talking about health coming from the inside out versus coming from the outside in. And that's something that's refreshing, I think, for most people to hear right now because they're still being inundated by direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertising. They're being told right. by their pediatricians and their regular doctors that there's nothing that can be done. You're you know, out of luck. You just got to take this med for the rest of your life. So, so I think our patients are finally coming to that that critical mass, you know, and it's unfortunate that a pandemic had to bring them there, but I think they're starting to recognize it and see it through our eyes finally. Um, and that's great news because it means they're getting into the office, they're getting their spines and nervous system checked, and they're starting to reap the benefits of, of chiropractic long-term healthcare, which is, which is fascinating. Um, are you, are you noticing right now that, um, you know, your, your patients and practice members are um, more, emotionally stressed right now, chemically stressed, mechanically stressed, where, where would you say the source is, um, you know, with, with the majority of your patients? I'd say that number one, without a doubt, is the mental emotional stress. Um, and it can be for a variety of reasons. You know, they may have an issue with their job. Or right now, the biggest thing here is all of the parents it, it, it's the not knowing. It's like, how exactly is school going to look for these kids in, in, in the next month or, or six weeks when they go back to school, whether it's college or high school or elementary school? And it's the unknowing. It, it, it's, am I, you know, am I going to have to stay working from home because my kid's going to be doing remote learning again? Or um, are my kids going to go to school, which I might prefer, but... I may not prefer the environment in their classroom or I may not want my kid masked all day or, or making, uh, being forced to put hand sanitizer all, all over their hands every hour of the school day. These are just things that I've seen as possibilities um, that some schools are floating out there. Um, so it's the unknown is a big part of it or it's people that are certain about what they 
believe in and how they've lived their life, but they're not allowed to express that the way they want to um, because of how it's being looked at, whether it's, again, wearing a mask just to go to the grocery store um, or, or whatever the scenario is. People are seeing so much contradiction out there, and that's internally upsetting to, to hear that, well, you have to wear a mask to do this, but then, you know, so, for example, my wife and I went out to dinner the other day. We, we can still do that in St. Louis. Um, but we had to wear a mask from the minute we opened the door to the restaurant until we sat at our table. It was like 10 feet. And then no mask while you're eating, unless you have to get up to go to the bathroom, then you put the mask back on. And then no mask again for the next hour and a half that we're just sitting having great conversation. But then the mask needs to come on to walk the 10 feet out the door. So it's stuff like that that just doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and that bothers people when things are, they know something's wrong, but either they can't do anything about it or they don't know what to do about it. It's very difficult. Um, so it's definitely mental, emotional right now. I think what helps people is what you just mentioned is the more they feel they can do for themselves. I am a huge fan, and I know you are too, of people taking responsibility for their health. So I just, just saw someone this morning, and he halfway jokingly commented that he's gained 10 pounds during the last few months because they've been mostly home. And I asked him, I said, well, is that because you've been eating, because of what you've been eating, how much of it you've been eating, or lack of movement or exercise? And he said, all three. And I said, well, here's the good news. I said, you have control over all three of those things. But that's the problem. People don't want to have to say, you know what, I didn't have to gain 5 or 10 or 20 pounds during quarantine. I had absolute control over what I put in my mouth. I had control over whether I walked around the block or just stayed watching Netflix. Um, I had control over these things. I just didn't choose right. Well, the good news is we're still in control. We can choose better. It's not about perfection. None of us is perfect. But it's about can I choose better? Maybe the next time I go to the store, I choose better with what food I bring into my house. Maybe I choose to uh, walk every evening instead of watch all of whatever it is that I'm watching. Um, there's so many things that are within our control that most people want to just blame on something else. It's so easy to blame things. Now a lot of people, COVID is the excuse for everything now. And it's like, wait a minute. It's not keeping you from keeping yourself healthy. You just have to decide you're actually willing to do it and take the responsibility necessary to do that. It's not easy, but no one said it's supposed to be easy, but the result is so worth any effort to have a healthier lifestyle, to get yourself adjusted, to make that stress adaptability bucket as big as possible. So whatever they throw at us, we can handle it, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's COVID, doesn't matter what it is. And, and that's why what, what you were saying is we've been, talking and teaching and preaching about this for over 120 years in chiropractic, it doesn't matter what the condition is. If you have a healthy nervous system and you do things that expand your body's ability to adapt to stress, you're going to fare better. I don't care what name it is, whether it's someone has headaches or cancer, or it doesn't matter what it is. They're going to function better and have a better quality of life and have a better chance of healing of whatever it is if they take care of themselves. But yes, that does take responsibility. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm seeing um, a lot of corollaries to the 1918 flu pandemic and what we're seeing with chiropractors now. It's certainly separating the wheat from the chaff, you know. Yep. Chiropractors who have been preaching 
about inside out healing for decades, you know, are again, they're staying the course, you know, nothing has changed as far as we're concerned, other than, you know, we have to wear masks and we have to socially distance and we have to sanitize and we have to do all that crap. Um, But, you know, something you said really resonated with me um, and it it reminded me of maybe the past like 10 new patients that I've seen over the past couple of weeks in my clinic and they all kind of have something in common. They're at this breaking point where they have to do something to change their lives. Every single commitment to care that I've gotten over the past uh, couple of weeks with maybe the exception of a few of my babies has been from adults who come into my offices. And, and I ask them, I ask them the same question every single time we do a consult. And that is why now, you yeah. know, why, why are you coming to me now after having had back pain or headaches or neck pain or anxiety or stress for the past 20 years? Why now? And the answer isn't, well, like, you know, I, I'm just really in a lot of pain or there's something just really wrong. It's, it's, I just need to make a change right now for the better. Right. Cause I think the recognizing that we're all kind of in this state, right. This communal state where COVID is kind of bringing out the worst in us. And they recognize yep. that if they don't make a trajectory change, then they're going to be doomed to health convalescence for the rest of their lives. Um, so it's really interesting to see, you know, in a lot of ways, again, I'm grateful for COVID because it's showing a lot of people, you know, what is really important, you know, and they're starting to put their health first. They're starting to recognize that the health of their family members is important, that they have to actually take aggressive steps to contradict all the status quo that's coming out. Right. Um, and it's, it's really kind of a beautiful thing to see. It really is because it's helping people realize, and and again, they're saying it all the time, but it's the immune compromised are in danger. The people that smoke, the people that are overweight, the people that have type 2 diabetes, and so many of the things that they're talking about that they call comorbidities, meaning uh, if you have these things, you're more likely to have a lower quality of life or die early almost every single one of them is either 100% or close to that lifestyle choice and how well my body is functioning. And that's why it is so important for people, people that are realizing, hey, you know what, I'm going in a direction that I see my mom and I saw my grandma going in. I don't want that to be my end result. They have to do something different or they will absolutely end up down that road. And it's not genetics. 90% of it is not genetics. It's a lifestyle. We get our lifestyle from our parents and from our grandparents. And if we don't deviate from their lifestyle, we're gonna get the same exact results. We mistakenly think it's genetics, but it's not. Type two diabetes is 99% lifestyle. So again, we need a healthy nervous system and we need to decide that we wanna take different action because we want a different result. We got to drop the habits that we know are making us sick. And that's the thing. It's not like decades ago where people didn't know. No, it says right on the box of cigarettes that this is not a good thing. You know, it says this will cause this and that and the other thing. And if we still choose to smoke those, we're making a conscious decision with every cigarette to move closer to sickness or with every fast food choice or with every day that we're drinking Uh, a glass or two of water instead of a half a gallon or more of water. Uh, It's it's a simple choice. And we're either choosing a positive step or we're choosing a negative step. And gone are the days that we're not aware of what we're doing. Because in this day and age, 
ignorance is a choice because you know they tell you <laughs> you know what's going on we know you know they label the menus with 1300 calories for for one big mac or whatever it is and they know what's in soda and how bad it is for you if you're still choosing to do it you're choosing the path of sickness if you choose to change things guess what now you're choosing a different path and no one can tell me they're choosing any of those things because they're less expensive and more convenient because for the last 30 years i've been telling people that every dollar they spend in my office is an investment and i know that it is on so many levels i know it is on a quality of life level but most recently i've learned that a typical um nursing home facility typical is anywhere between nine and twelve thousand dollars a month and that's for maintaining a horrible quality of life because if you're there you're there because you're not healthy and you can't take care of yourself right yeah you um you're you're really you're talking about bj's concept of accumulative survival value which hoffman and i have talked about quite a bit i mean basically yep. um you know i just recorded a ton of videos about this from my personal office feed um you've talked about the stress bucket, right? And I use the stress bucket analogy quite a bit, right? When you're born, um, assuming you have no birth trauma, which is surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, becoming extremely rare these days, that bucket stays empty. And over the course of your lifetime, you fill the bucket up with different stressors, mechanical, chemical, emotional, technological, whatever. And, yep. you know, over the course of your lifetime, as that bucket fills up, your ability to adapt to new stressors is compromised considerably. Um, but, um, BJ talks about the health savings account, right? You're either adding to the savings account or you're debiting from the savings account with every single step that you take in your life. Yeah. Eating Big Mac is debiting from your savings account, but eating good, clean, local, raw fruits and vegetables is adding to that savings account. It adds to your cumulative survival value, which means you're more adaptable to the effects of stress, right? Um, I'm not sure if you do this in your office, but one of the most important tests that I run in my office is HRV. Yes. HRV is so, so, so important is because it tells you in black and white, not even in black and white, in rainbow colors, <laughs> where your health savings account is. Yep. You know, I mean, it's funny because when I get people into my office, especially people with back pain, they'll come in and they'll be like, well, what does this have to do with my back? I'm just putting my hand in the device and I'm sitting here silently for three minutes. Well, there's nothing more important to know what's going on with your pain than to figure out what's going on with your autonomic neurological balance because yep. your ability to, to adapt to injury is directly proportional to how you adapt to stress, right? Absolutely. So. So looking at all these things, especially in a tonal model of chiropractic is so vitally important because it really gives an honest assessment of where our patients are, our practice members are, um, when they come into the practice, and more importantly, what we need to do to help them fix those, those problems. This is also consequently why right now in the middle of COVID with everybody's emotional stressors, and I agree with you 100%, Tom, emotional stressors are by far the biggest contributors to subluxation right now. Yep. Um, it's really important for us to give our patients an honest assessment of what's going on so that they know what's happening and what needs to be fixed. So it's not just a matter of like, you know, putting a bandaid over a bullet wound. Um, right. You know, speaking of, speaking of tonal, um, let's, let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, you're one of the other you know, few MCT providers that I know, um, 
Talk a little bit about your experience with MC2. Um, you know, as, as you know, we talk to parents and we talk to chiropractic patients, but we also talk to other doctors on this podcast. And I'd love for you to share your experience a little bit with Tonal and MC2 in your practice. Yeah, you bet. Um, so it's been over 21 years that I've been practicing MC2, um, which I, I was trying to figure out the math because I knew we were going to be chatting today and I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my gosh, 21 years, it's crazy. Um, but it's been glorious because the first um, seven to eight years of my practice was all more full spine, less nerve and more bone focused, more structurally focused, not tonal at, at all. And <clears throat> there's several things I love about um, MC2 and tonal techniques. One is that the focus is the nervous system. And that is the system that controls all of the other systems of our body. So that is truly getting right to the underlying cause. The other thing is the way the analysis of MC2 was, was created. It really helps me dial in to what does this person need right now at this moment on my adjusting table as far as an adjustment is concerned. Because people will come in, and I know they do this for you too, and we don't mind this, but they're like, hey, doc, you know what? You know, this is right here today, and, and my right shoulder, and then this thing with my leg, and, and, and that's fine. But I need to be able to step back and say, okay, that's the body speaking symptoms, but what does this body need adjustment-wise, or does it need to be adjusted, or are those symptoms simply part of the body healing? And what do I need to do today to help this person be healthier when they're walking out the door um, versus the same as they walked in? And MC2 and the analysis of MC2, and this is for the, for the docs that are listening, it gives me absolute certainty what the person needs. It helps me adjust them in a very efficient and elegant way, honors their body, and it also lets me know when I'm done. And even though their headache may not be gone yet, or that pain may still be there in their lower back, or their leg might still be numb, or whatever the situation is, I know that I've done everything I could for their body on that, in that moment, on that visit. And it's a process. We know healing is a process. So we continue on the next visit with whatever's next and whatever's ready for their body. And that way I know 100% I did everything I could for them that day. And it might just be clearing out one thing. It might be clearing out three things. It might be, after a lot of checking, that they don't need anything done that day from me. Their body's still healing and still processing everything that's going on. That's part of our job is to know that everything is moving in the right direction and I don't want, I don't need to do anything. But them knowing and you knowing that, hey, you're on the right track. It's like the GPS. You may be going on a highway for 300 miles, but it's nice every once in a while to hear the GPS go, okay, keep going for another 100 miles, another 50 miles, another 25 miles. You're on the right track. That's our job too, as well as getting them back on the right track if they've detoured, detoured off in the healing process. And that's a big part of what Tonal and especially MC2 has done for me over the last two decades plus is whether it's a little baby or someone in their 90s and everything in between, I could run the same or similar analysis and know exactly what I need to do for that person to help them improve. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more congruent than knowing when to stop. 
which, yes. uh, you know, I've talked to, to Hoffman about this ad nauseum and it's, uh, it's, it's so, so, so important because I mean, listen, listen, if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're like, well, what the heck is this all about? Like, well, how's this different than what my chiropractor does? I'm not going to sit here and say that MC2 is the only approach to taking care of kids and families, but in my experience, it's just the most effective. Right. Um, and, and again, the reason is because it tells us with, with hundred percent certainty when we've done enough. And if we're going to hang our hats on this philosophic construct that the nervous system needs no help, it just needs no interference, then we got to know when that interference is gone so that we can back off and let the nervous system do what it's programmed to do, which is keep you healthy. MC2 does that. And, you know, I talk about the science of leg checking in total pediatrics a lot. And, you know, the nervous system, or I'm sorry, the, the neurology behind leg checking, you know, the science is just expansive. There's so much out there. But at the end of the day, to simplify it down, the brain craves symmetry, you know, and when you have created symmetry in the body um body doesn't need any more help it does what it's programmed to do so um yeah i agree i think the other thing that's really important for us to recognize in mc2 is that uh, and we talked about this very briefly at the beginning of our talk that is that with all the crazy sensory kids that we've seen in our clinic and i don't mean crazy in the mental health sense i mean just like sure. the influx that we've seen um we have to be really, really careful about, about the amount of intensity that we put into the neuraxis in order to create a plastic change. Yep. If a kiddo is in a state of hyperarousal, as Hoffman talks about very frequently in MC2, we can't be doing gross, high velocity, low amplitude adjusting with these yep. kids because it's too much for the nervous systems to tolerate. So we got to know what we have available in our toolkit to be able to help these kids and parents be their best. I find, and I, and I'd like to hear, you know, your comments on this, Tom, I find that the more I practice, the less I do to my patients and my results get better and better. Is that what you see as well? Absolutely. So yeah, the less I do and the more gentle I am at doing it, the more subtle the adjustments are. Um, and the less I do, and absolutely the results get better and better and better. So yes, part of that's experience, of course, but the body has such an amazing ability to heal itself. I feel that when we do too much or we use too much force, the body now has to heal from what we just did in order to get to the benefit of what we were trying to do. Where with MC2, the elegance of it is there's no hurdle to get over. The body can just go right to healing. And, and that's where the acceleration of the momentum of healing comes into play with a, a analysis and adjusting tech style of MC2 versus some other ways of approaching things. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, you know, let's, let's end, you know, our, our interview with, um, you know, real, real basic question. And I asked this to a bunch of my other guests on the podcast but if you had one piece of advice for a parent who's listening, you know, to help them help their children and their families be their best, what would that piece of advice be? I'll give two. One is on the chiropractic side, getting a person, a child checked and evaluated is exactly that. It's getting them checked and evaluated to see what's going on with their nervous system. They may not need to be adjusted. They may need to be adjusted. They may need a big program of care. They may need a small program of care. Um, people assume everyone on the chiropractic needs the exact same thing. So, and that's not the, that's not the case. So, getting somebody checked is critical because then you know exactly what you are or are not dealing with, and it's a great gift because of all the benefits, which some of which we we've just talked about already. And the other one is whether it's about their body and healing or anything with kids. They so much more mirror us 
as their parents or anyone that has influence in a kid's life by the actions we do or don't do versus the words that we say. Now, words are important, don't get me wrong, but if you're telling them to do something that's different than you're doing, they're gonna do what you're doing. So the whole do as I say, not as I do thing doesn't fly because they're gonna do what you're doing because that's what you've given them the example of and that's what you've mirrored for them as an authority figure in their life. So we wanna speak life into them, we wanna speak hope into them, we wanna speak to them that they aren't limited, they can do whatever they want to and let's give them the tools to move forward to do that and one of those tools is a fully functioning nervous system so they're firing on all cylinders so they can use that incredible brain and body that they've been given. Beautiful advice. I think it's great news. I um, I Tom, I, I gotta say, you know, it's been a while since we talked last, but I really do appreciate you spending the time on the podcast and kind of imparting your wisdom and sharing your experience with everybody. Um, why don't you let everybody know how to contact you, how to get a hold of you? Absolutely. Um, our website is windmillwellnesscenter.com. So it's windmill, W-I-N-D-M-I-L-L, windmillwellnesscenter.com is the best way to get a hold of us on Facebook. Same thing, Windmill Wellness Center. Uh, we have we put lots of videos out, lots of information as well. Uh, we love helping kids and families to get and stay healthy. It's our whole focus is to help people to find their greatness and transform their quality of life. It's what I live for. It's what I love doing. It's what I'm going to keep doing. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely all my pleasure, Tom. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, see each other again soon in person after this whole thing blows over, man. <laughs> Look forward to it. Absolutely. Right. Take care, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.